Blessed proposed a, a worship meeting. You know, just a special time when we'd just come and, and sing before the Lord and just, just make an offering to him. In fact, she said, let's, let's have one every, every couple of weeks or something, she said. And in fact, Kirsten, God bless her, with, with the heart that she's got, she'd probably come every night and, and do it for ages. There's, there's a couple of people around like that who have incredible worship stamina. Um, and I would play for them all day if, if that's what the Lord wanted me to do. But, uh, so, so I'm kind of going to address that a little bit. So a little bit of background. In the temple, where uh, the first musicians, or at least the first appointed musicians, well, David appointed musicians in the tabernacle, um, but in the temple where, where he appointed, like, there was 4,000 of these priest guys were, were singers and trumpets and cymbals, lots of percussion instruments, um, lyres and harps and all those sort of things, and a lot of singers. There was 4,000 of these people. Kept a roster going, and it, I can't really tell from Scripture whether it's 24-7 or not, but it looks like, uh, at least on some occasions and some seasons, if not all, it's 24-7 worship. Can you imagine praising the Lord with your heart being in it through you know, 3 a.m. in the morning? It'd be pretty bizarre, but that's, uh, that's what it describes. But the whole congregation would only tend to go up to Jerusalem uh, for those three special ones, Passover, uh, Tabernacles, and, and another one. Three times a year, the whole congregation would, would meet in Jerusalem, and they'd all get together and have a good one. Um, apart from those, there was free will times. You could come and make a free will offering if you had a baby to dedicate and uh, all those sort of things. But generally, the whole congregation would only meet three times a year. Now, my feeling, well, of course, as believers, we're the temple, right? The, the Spirit of God lives within us. And our offering should be 24-7, um, regardless of the season. It should always be 24-7. We worship the Lord, whether we're singing, whether we're with other Christians, uh, whether we're in a prison and taken away from our family. Um, regardless, our life should be a 24-7 offering. And 90% of that, I think, would be alone, just us and the Lord. Maybe more than 90%. I don't know what percentage of our lives is, is an hour and a half in here. Probably not that much. And so on special occasions, like um, Kirsten has proposed, people would bring an offering. Uh, and of course, the one Kirsten's proposed, so I keep bringing up Kirsten, I just because that's so you know what I'm talking about, um, <coughs> features music. And what I want to, one of the points I want to make today is to separate music and worship because we know that worship is not necessarily music and music is not necessarily worship. We know that. We've heard it a, a bunch of times. But it, they keep colliding uh, and we keep falling into that paradigm that it is, that what we did a few minutes ago for a few minutes was the worship. Right? I just want to get break that paradigm again because it keeps reforming like a, a crusty old shell on us. I'm going to break that crusty old shell. Uh, let me see. Right, but the main feature, of course, in those wonderful times when the congregation got together wasn't the worship, wasn't the music, it was, or at least the worship wasn't the music. The worship was the sacrifice. It was about giving of life in place of our life. It was about complete commitment. It was like a marriage ceremony. In fact, it was almost like the consummation of a marriage. It was, here I am to give myself completely to you. True worship can only be when you give your whole self. If you're holding back, you're doing something less than worship. Supporting the quote I'm going to use later. But, but that's the way it is. Likewise, God gives all of himself to us. We just did communion that remembers that he gave not only his, his entire life, 33 years, not only did he have a complete focus on what God wanted for us, always living for somebody else, not for him like that. Scripture might read this morning, that should be our life, not looking for our own thing, but for, for other people's. But then he gave his life, like literally, like we took it. He, he was put on the cross, he died. 
and then he rose again. Hallelujah. So that's that covenant that we were talking about a few minutes ago. He gave himself completely. He expects us to give nothing less than ourselves completely. And we have nothing to give him. He doesn't want, you know, he's, oh, I think last week Rob talked, somebody talked about cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't care about our bulls and goats and, and offering that we put in the bag. whoop de doo you know. He just wants the heart that might have been hanging on to that thing otherwise. So back to the subject of music. We're living in a time where we've got music absolutely everywhere. Um, <laughs> kids have, have music going and they're in the shower and I can hear their phones going 100%, you know, so that they can hear it. We've got a shower dome, so it's like a cone of silence. But still the poor little same things going, ah, you know, and, and people at work in the paint shop, you know, we're, we're in the paint shop and you've got big vents, fans blowing and it's an industrial environment, you know, and yet we've still got these little speakers up in the in the corners blasting out this, this stuff that apparently is music. Not exactly music appreciation. You've got people wandering around. You know, you go out in the street now, you'll see somebody with little wires in, in their ears and things like that. I sit, in fact, I'm in an office now and, and there's guys sitting around the place, you know, with wires in their ears, zoned into their music. People can't go anywhere. They can't go to the toilet without having some music coming on. The supermarket, the lift, everywhere you go, there's music. And we're just, it's just smashing into us. One of the one of the reasons I think um, my conspiracy theory, you know, because uh, you know Lucifer was uh, some versions of the Bible say he had like pipes, he was covered in pipes and symbols or something. Like he was not just in charge of music as one of the head chairs, but he was was musical. He was a musical being, and um, so he knows his way around music. He knows the effect that it has on a soul, and uh, he's pretty good at it. And so he just just smashes it into um, our kids' brains and and tries to um, quench any independent thought we might have. It's always somebody else's thought going in there, and it's usually sex and drugs and rock and roll, is usually what any music is that isn't devoted to the Lord. And so my personal feeling, and and to quote Paul when he was talking about marriage, he said, um, this is my opinion, but I too have the Holy Spirit, so, so please take it seriously. And if nothing else, because you're likely to disagree with it, if nothing else, just to challenge that paradigm, if you still come to the conclusion that yes, we're doing the right thing, sweet as at least that's that's fresh, you know, and it's not just out of a, a paradigm or just something you've fallen into. But my personal feeling is that church we overdo music here. Uh, I think the whole modern church overdoes music. You know, we do. I do about five a time. I think everybody else does that, maybe six. That's generally the, the habit we stick to. And I think part of that is because of this confusing that has been the worship. Uh, part of it is just just being used to so much music. We've got, I don't know if you see that table up there, we can all see it, and there's folders for Asia up there. It's just covered in folders, and there's so much paper. I hate the paperwork on the music. It's a real drag. If anybody wants to volunteer to be the music administrator and put it all back in alphabetical order afterwards, then God bless you. Um, it's, the, it's the least popular part of for all of us. But anyway, we've got all those things here because we've got to maintain some variety because we're doing six a week and we don't want to do the same six a week. And so we kind of forced into having hundreds of songs to try and keep them fresh. And of course, what that means is that, you know, there is a percentage at the bottom of them that kind of borderline, and, and maybe, in fact, there's a lot there that we haven't done for years because they're below borderline. Um, but, you know, there's some that probably aren't top of the pops. And so my suggestion, not, it's not a suggestion because I'm not calling for action. I'm not suggesting any change either. I, the Lord's given us abilities, and, and we're here to, to serve you in whatever um, we want, we'll do as long as it honours the Lord. But uh, my thoughts are that it should be something special. 
like those three times a year, they came up and they did something special, and all the musicians were there, all their harps and lyres and cymbals, and uh, and they got carried away. There are thousands of of men and female singers interested in that enough. So that's that's part of my uh, my thoughts. And sometimes our engagement is low. You know, we look around, we can't help but feel. And sometimes folks just aren't into it. Sometimes it's not the day. Maybe sometimes. Uh, we should do what the Bible says, uh, devote ourselves to public reading of Scripture, um, devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, this, what I'm doing, isn't actually in Scripture. I can't find any places. I mean, Ezra did a lot of teaching in that when they came back from, from exile, and, and there's a few other examples of it, and, and the rabbis, of course, and the teachers of the law taught. But there's no actual mandate in there to have a, a sermon every day. Although I do think it's appropriate, because I guess because I do it a bit. Uh, but just to challenge that paradigm again, are we doing really what the Lord thinks or what we've just slipped into and uh, we'll just keep going that way? So we've got to do that, you know, today are we going to spit in the ground and, and make mud and smear it in each other's eyes? Are we going to wash each other's feet? You know, are we going to dance like David danced and, and make crazy things of ourselves? If the Lord wills it, then I pray that we'll be free enough for that to be done. So just to describe what worship is, not a particular activity. It's not singing a particular song or bringing any particular offering. Uh, it's, like I said, it's that giving of ourselves, that entire life. So the only offering is everything. Anything less is not real worship. We know about the pearl of great price. Did I write it? Yes, I did. Matthew thirteen forty-five. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. And if you notice that that goes both ways. It goes, the Lord gave up everything for us. He gave his entire life. He just poured himself out for us. And likewise, when we find him, we have to give up everything for him. That's the worship covenant that we're into, that, that love thing that's going on between us. He is absolutely everything. He is worth anything I can give up for him. That's, that's my worship. My beloved is mine and I am his. And that beautiful love song that sometimes gets a bit raunchy, which is kind of another example of you know, uh, just keeping our minds on what's acceptable to the Lord. Remember that thing Rob did last week? Oh, it's so cool. He had that video of the rock band singing singing uh, some kind of Christian song. They were pretty profound words, but you couldn't make them out. They were, ah! you know. And then there was the tra-la-la hymn by the children. And, and I think there was a general vote that accepted that the first one was more scriptural because it had harps and wires and stringed instruments and percussion instruments. And the second one was some children singing on an electronic thing. So just, I mean, we're not going to do that kind of music for song number one, all right? I don't know if, I don't know if uh, what goes on in, in the heart of that girl with the black nail polish and the, and the studded dog collar on her neck, you know, maybe she's making an offering to the Lord that has to be between him and her, but uh, we're not doing that song here, just to let you know. Not as long as I have to say. That uh, fulfills the first commandment, what we, what we do, not just here, but in our whole of life. And this is kind of like that consummation thing, that special time, that special event where we all get together uh, and, and have that wonderful time of offering ourselves and actually engaging mentally and physically with the Lord. Um, the first commandment being to love the Lord the God with all your mind and heart and strength and soul and everything that you've got. Derek Prince said, and this is the quote that I stole off myself a minute ago, there are many kinds of offering we may bring to God, thanks, praise, money, possession, acts of service, works of our hands. But it is in worship that we bring to God our highest offering, ourselves. Any religious offering that, sorry, any religious activity that stops short of offering ourselves is not true worship. So likewise, God gives Himself to us by dwelling us by His Spirit. 
by his son dying for us. So what music pleases God? Now, I've, uh, uh, I've been in the music ministry since I, uh, pretty much since I got saved back when I was 18, you know, which is a long time ago. And so um, I've always had an interest, and it's always cropped up, you know, what's acceptable. Um, drums obviously are from hell. Um, you know, <laughs> anything with a backbeat is from hell. Bending notes, apparently, I've, I've learned is from hell. You know, that, that's just silly. I'm just making fun of that, obviously, and I don't believe it. But what is acceptable? What pleases God? Sometimes what pleases God is what pleases the congregation. You know, we're not going to do black nail polish girls' song because that doesn't please us. Maybe uh, there is a place where that does please some people and they cannot make a, a sincere offering to God. You know, not here. Um, so partly that's uh, what pleases God. But um, if we're not going to have drums, and I'll tell you what, just just so you know, the reason we don't have drums here is because one, we don't have a drummer. Uh, two, um, it's just sort of awkward, the shape of the building and the size of the building. They tend to be overpowering, very hard to control. Uh, we have on occasion have a, had some people who have made an offering on the drums, and it's been, been cool. Um, so we're not anti-drum here, by the way. Uh, let me see, what was I talking about? What, what music pleases God, yeah. And so the conclusion I've come to after all these years is that I still don't know. Um, but I did love those videos of Rob that that helped um, me challenge that paradigm. And one of the reasons I'm glad that I don't know is that that paradigm is constantly being challenged. It's not something I can just slip into. Okay, we like um, we like Fanny Crosby, but we don't like Darlene Sheck or whatever her name is. You know, uh, we like hymns, but not Hillsong. We like this, but not that. It's not as simple as that. And uh, we take some Hillsong, uh, uh, a ministry that I take a look at very carefully and, and uh, th- yeah, very careful with. Um, but there's some very talented people, and, and I'm going to mention in a minute uh, one of my favorite songs currently is, is from there. Uh, but we're very careful with what we choose. And, of course, we do a lot of hymns. And we don't do all hymns because some of them are just plain boring. Um, you should see some of them. Just, what are they thinking? Anyway, um, so we've tried Pentecostal style. I've tried nothing but vineyard and hill songs. I remember Glenn and Anne, yeah, Anne Love, because he was a Canadian guy and he had a vineyard background. And Vineyard called themselves the Signs of Wonders people, and they got right into it, and some of it just got totally hairy and crazy and out of control. But that's the way we were for a while, and we were always looking for an emotional response. And there was a lot of songs that were, they were not worship songs, they were about a relationship, lots of I love you stuff, but lots of experience focus, you know, on, on what we get out of, out of going to worship and, and, and getting some kind of response in our own soul. Um, Oh, I can remember doing Jesus like the flame and we get really passionate say, singing over and over Jesus like the flame well that's a wonderful thought but that's asking him to bless us you know um, it's not worship that was the buzz for ages and there's lots of songs like that that were kind of subtle and, and in tiny degrees they're probably appropriate but when it becomes the focus it makes an idol of the Lord's blessing and uh, I think we're guilty of that in, in those days and now and then I guess in these days um then thought we'd go emotion free when, when we were when we were really into the old ATI, the homeschooling, and they're very conservative. And that was like hymns only and, and you know, no percussion at all. And some guy told me on a tape, so it must have been true, that, that music should be uh, um, mostly melody, then harmony, and then then rhythm, percussion. And some guy said it on a tape, so I I knew it must be true for a while then. But I looked in the Bible and, and I found that in the Old Testament that's not the case. In fact, it's probably the, 
the opposite, that, that rhythm with those cymbals and trumpets that didn't actually, you know, a shofar doesn't, you can't herb help it on a trumpet, you know, it's not, it's just, you know, oh, do that again, you know, I can do it longer, and and that's that's the way a shofar goes. Uh, the silver horns that, that the Lord got Moses to make um, for in the tabernacle in the desert, you know, it's just a, a, a plain bugle. It was a one, you know, it had no valves or anything. Maybe a skilled player could get a... But um, it wasn't a, a note that they played. It was just if they wanted to do one thing, call everyone to the congregation, it was one horn blue. And if it was time to pack up camp and move on, two horns blew. So there wasn't even like a you know, that you could recognize. It was just, so that would indicate that that too was just a single note. So we're not talking melody. They're just, in, we were in um, Jerusalem this time last year and we're walking around the, the wall, bit of a touristy thing to do, and we heard all this noise and clatter and these, these huge groups of people with, uh, you know, four poles and a, and a blanket on top and, and in the middle was walking uh, a young man who's having his bar mitzvah and and they were making such a clatter. There was clapping and clashing of, of percussion instruments. And they had trumpets, and there was kind of a melody going on. It sounded a little bit South African, actually. Um, South American sounded a little bit um, Latin. But there was kind of a melody, but most of it was just... <laughs> just having fun, you know? They were making a noise, and they were praising the Lord. Um, and they were just, as a, as a big group, they were just marching through, through the city. And in fact, for some reason... There was a whole bunch of them. They must save it up for a particular day so they don't cause traffic jams. I don't know, but there was half a dozen of these groups. And, of course, the music was clashing with every other music. And it was just, you know, so imagine that, uh, that when Solomon got all those musicians, thousands of people with, with cymbals. And, and in fact, um, this, is, this is very much, very much unchanged from what I've looked in my history books, from what Miriam danced with, you know, crossing the Red Sea, uh, a tight membrane across a, a frame and some, some cymbals in the side. And they didn't just shake it, they smacked it. It said they struck the, the tambourine. So that so was very rhythmic. So anyway, just, just saying, again, to perhaps break your uh, paradigm, that the tralalas that we do here, it's great to our ear, our modern Western ear, but, you know, the Lord listens to a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, originally it, was, it would have been absolute cacophony to us, I imagine, at the... At the dedication of the temple. It would have just been crazy, but very, very exciting. I'd love to have seen it. I mentioned, um, I was going to say about a song that, praise the name of the Lord our God. Sorry, <coughs> a bit nervous singing to a solo. But you know that song, Anastasis, which means resurrection? Uh, called Anast The word Anastasis isn't in the song, actually, I don't think. Not at all, no. But anyway, that's what they call it. Um, and it's got this big build up to the chorus, and then the chorus matches the words. It's one of those songs where all the words match the, the dynamics of, of the melody, you know. Some of them, when they don't, you kind of you become conscious of it. But with that song, I find I can just, my body and, and the effort that I'm putting in and everything about it matches what you're saying. I just love that song to pieces. And it's got drums in it, or at least, you know, the recorded version. And uh, I tell you what, I'd put cannons in it if I could, you know, like 1812 Overture, because it's just, it just reaches that great crescendo. And all I think about is him, him, him. You know, fantastic song. Uh, if you don't relate to it, I'm sure there's others that you do relate to where it's just him, 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 and you just forget yourself and you just just worship God. So, you know, who gets to say how much percussion is evil? Uh, a little bit of drums, a lot of drums. I don't know, but uh, we honor the Lord from our hearts. Um, so there we go, a little bit about the 
music pleases the Lord. Um, we've got to watch our motive when we come to worship. Uh, occasionally we have a bit of emotion. You know, I, I love those times, and I know many of you do, and, and I think that's part of what we're trying to seek from, from doing this, which is not the right motive. But sometimes you just have a wonderful time. You forget about yourself. You worship Him, and you feel like you've engaged with the Holy Spirit, and, and it's, you just, it's just wonderful. And we long for those times. But we cannot trust those things. We cannot rely on those things. And we must not come in here looking for that kind of thing. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17.9. Those things will deceive you. The devil can give you that kind of emotional buzz with stuff. Like I said, he, he knows how to use music. He's very, very good at it. Uh, and he can manipulate us so easily because we're so easily led sometimes. So be aware that when you come here to make an offering to God, it's to make an offering to God. Sometimes we'll get something in return. In fact, I'll, I'll venture to say when we actually engage with God, it will be always. Um, but that must not be our motive. Um, we might end up saying something foolish. It wasn't much of a worship service today. Well, why not? Have you got sin in your life? You know, Because you know, if, if the worship wasn't pleasing to God, then what was holding it back? Because it was for him. So... Uh, you know, if you've got any, uh, if you don't have any hidden sin, if your relationships are right, you know how the Lord said, if you're making an offering to the Lord, uh, and then remember that someone has something against you, go and sort that out first. Get your relationship right, then come back to the altar, and we'll do it right. If you're right, there's no hidden sin. Your relationships are right. You've been born again, obviously, because otherwise uh, it's a it's a second hand. You you can't make a direct offering to God. So if you've got those three things sorted. You're offering, you come in here, you sing some, make some words to God, thanksgiving and praise. You're acceptable as, uh, your offering is accepted. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, if you were distracted and you had other things on your mind and you're a bit grumpy to the, well, yeah, we go through that kind of things in life. But uh, if your heart was right, then offering accepted. If you cried tears of joy and, and, and fell on the ground laughing, then that's good too, but it's not necessary. And it doesn't necessarily mean your offering is accepted. When we worship, uh, we worship when we don't feel like it. It's a bit like preaching and, and out of season. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It's just it's absolutely sublime how something about suffering can sound so beautiful. It's <laughs> only the Holy Spirit can do that, eh? Oh, everything's gone in my life and I'm suffering. Praise the Lord. You know, but that's the way it is. That's where our heart should be. It's not related to things. Those people, those twins were kidnapped, that guy got shot in the stomach. Um, our prayer and, and my expectation of those people is that we're praising God. Paul and Silas singing in jail. Um, they don't just get put in jail in those times. They get a hiding, a good thrashing, and then they get put in jail. And not just, you know, uh, like that that guy that did all that killing, not with a TV, uh, it's in a, a dungeon with chains. And they sang praises to God in that remembrance. So what was David's motive, still on subject of, of motive? When he danced before the ark, um, I'm not going to read it, it's fairly long, but um, David was bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he did that crazy dance. He just went went nuts. Uh, he took off most of his gears, so he's just in, you know, like on those shorts or something. And he wasn't naked, um, and he just made him completely humble himself. Took off all his royal things, is the main point here. 
uh, and he humbled himself and he just did this crazy dance all the way up the hill um, to where they put the ark. And um, he just worshipped God with his, with his whole heart and his whole body. So what was his motive in that? What was he getting from that? Well, what he got was um, persecution from his sneering, smart, spoiled brat wife, Michal or Michael or however you say it. Um, she said, oh, I haven't written it down, but she said, um, well, she just sneered at him and, and criticised him and said, you know, you've made a fool of yourself. Uh, and he basically said to her, and I'd, I'd do much more. I'd, I'd abase myself so much more for the Lord um, if I had the opportunity. Um, but he gave. Uh, his motive wasn't to get anything with the Lord. He just wanted to give with his whole heart and with his whole body. Um, some more songs that we, we don't do anymore. Uh, I might do them on occasion, but certainly songs that I don't want to see become our focus. Come to the Waters and Drink, lovely little tune. Um, nice little ministry song, I guess, with people coming to the front. Come to the Waters and Drink. It's not a worship song. Beautiful song in the scripture. Um, but it's about us receiving from the Lord. You bring times of refreshing to our soul. It's a, it's a nice little poppy tune, and we do sing it sometimes because it is a good one, and it's true. We, we appreciate the Lord when he takes us to those little oases through life or those little mountain tops. Sometimes things can be dry, and we want to make sure that we do like those oases, Lord, so keep them coming. You know. um, so those are songs that we want to use very carefully because they're not worship. Um, and although this song set that we do, that time that we put aside, that's not necessarily worship too, so don't let us be fooled by that necessarily. Uh, sometimes it is ministry, sometimes we are just offering thanks, sometimes it's praise. Uh, somebody has said the difference between praise and worship is that uh, praise is for what he does and worship is for who he is. You know, Thank you Lord that, you are, that you've done this and that, um, but worship is, God I praise you, you are, you are eternal, we are a vapour. Uh, here's a little quote that helps put things in perspective. A chap called Barry Chant. I don't know anything about him. So we pleaded with God to bring us nearer to him, ignoring the fact that he had already brought us near through the blood of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2.13. Or we yearn to enter the holy place and live in God's presence, forgetting that Christ has already accomplished this for us, Hebrews 1.19. All those sort of things that we come expecting to get on a Sunday morning perhaps, um, from, a, from a bit of spiritual entertainment uh, are not things that we get from that at all. They're things that we got when we were born again. They're things that we get when we walk in the Spirit by reading the Word and obeying what is written therein and by listening to the voice of the Spirit and, and walking with Him. That's how we are filled with the Spirit. We're told to be filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. That's, uh, that's not come here and get drunk with the Spirit. People have, people have turned that around and twisted that verse. It's not about the opposite of getting drunk with wine. It's about when you are filled with the Spirit, maybe I should read that, when you are filled with the Spirit, out of that life you come and offer psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's not you come and listen to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to get filled with the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit by getting born again and by obeying the Spirit and walking in it. We walk by faith and not by sight and certainly not by feelings. I think it's Ephesians. Maybe I should read it. No, trust me, if you want to challenge me, we can talk about it later. Flowers, I've used this illustration before and it's a good one and I'll use it again. <clears throat> if I'm cruel to Rochelle and never kind to her and, and we have a horrible relationship, if I buy her flowers it will be an insult. If I love my wife and I'm kind to her and treat her like the queen that she is, 
and invite her flowers, it'll be brownie points. Likewise, if we go out there and we're not walking in the spirit and we're dirtbags throughout the week and we come in here and we take communion and think we're forgiven and then we can offer an offering of praise to the Lord, it's an insult to the Lord. What he wants is our obedience, our entire heart, not just Sunday for 20 minutes. Um, if you want to bring flowers to the Lord, you make sure your relationship's right and that he already knows you love him. Um, to say, I love you, Lord, we have um, periodic development reports uh, on base. And one of the rules we have when we give this report every year is that there should be nothing in it that's a surprise. Everything that that person is being reported on, they should be aware of and they should have had the opportunity to develop through the week, through the year. It's the same with the Lord. When you come on a Sunday, there should be no surprises for the Lord. I know you love me, you know, and, and thanks for that. that that's nice. And, you know, we have a little hug and it's all sweet. It's very spiritual. 1 Samuel 15.22 Samuel declared, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams. A couple more verses along these lines. Micah 6.6 6, With what shall I come before the Lord when I bow before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With 10,000 rivers of olive oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Just to act justly, to love mercy. It's not very Pentecostal, is it? It just means that outside these doors, uh, we're good ambassadors for him, and, and we honor him with our behavior. <clears throat> That's a better gift than coming in here and, and offering him flowers. Matthew 9.13, the Lord said to the Pharisees, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Hebrews 10 says, uh, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor did you delight in them. Although they are, although they are offered according to the law, they're supposed to. And yet the Lord didn't delight in those things because the people, it was flowers without a relationship. Um, last, <coughs> last section is just about spirit, soul, and body. So we want to worship with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. Now we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. We know that our spirit should worship the Lord. We, uh, the Lord told the lady at the well, and the woman, he was no lady, uh, that time will come and we will worship in spirit and in truth. We worship with our spirit because we're born again. Um, we bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, We take every thought into subjection to Christ and, and we offer our thoughts to him. And our body as well. We talked about David offering not just his heart, but his entire, you know, it would have just been uh, just so long for the day when I see, you know, one of you guys break out with it. Won't be me. But we've got to be cautious of what we see with our eyes again. Just because somebody breaks out with a dance doesn't mean that they're, they're honoring the Lord. Um, sometimes we mention how awesome. African worshippers or Southern Baptist Church, you know, when they're getting right into it and they're doing it with their whole body. So, but remember that uh, the same percentage of people there are actually bringing flowers from a relationship as there are here with our quiet little congregation. You know, the same percentage of people are actually making a, an acceptable offering to the Lord. The rest are just boogieing down, and it's just going to be the same in every collection. If you go to North Korea and find some. Uh, faithful people meeting in a, in a barn in some snowy paddock somewhere, you know, afraid of being heard, and they'll be singing, This is the day that the Lord has made, you know, and that offering is that they'll be singing it in Korean. 
that offering is um is acceptable to the Lord, obviously, isn't it? Of course he loves that. In fact, perhaps more so because they are more at risk, you know. Um, so be careful what little eyes what you see. Uh, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So don't judge. You remember um, Samuel went to find out who was going to be next king. The Lord had told him, son of Jesse is going to be next king. And Jesse lined up all his sons, and you know, big strapping lads, big handsome strong boys. And Samuel kept saying, surely this one. And the Lord kept saying, no, you're looking with your eyes. And Samuel, you know, same thing right through until they got to David. And the Lord tells him, um, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. Right? That's the important stuff. And so don't look at the outward just because somebody's doing a particular activity that may not necessarily be worship. Don't feel bad because you're from a, uh, thanks a lot, Phil, for your British background. Um, you know, and we're kind of reserved <coughs> with our expression. Um, both are an acceptable offering to the Lord. I long for the day when, when we'll be set free, you know. But until then, we're not going to put on an act, are we? I hope not. We're not going to have smoke machines and flashy lights and things that some places do to try and compensate for that, that lack. Uh, it's got to come from within, not from without. It's got to come from within, not from without. We're not going to make it happen, but we're going to seek the Lord and, and ask Him to make it happen from within. Um, I reduced this portion because it went on a bit, but I, I think this is enough to, to make the point that um, there's a lot of words for worship. Um, perhaps most of them in the Old and the New Testament actually describe body postures. Uh, the most common word apparently in the Old Testament is a shachah, which means to bow down, to prostrate, or to fall flat. So when you read that um, uh, Abraham's servant, when he went to get a wife for Isaac, um, and things went well, and he did this thing. Uh, it says he worshipped the Lord, which means he got down on his face uh, and he worshipped the Lord. Sometimes when they translate it, it says he got down on his face and worshipped. Other times it just says he worshipped. But the, the meaning of that word is to fall down and fall prostrate. A um, few, few other verses. <coughs> Psalm 141. Let my prayer be set forth to you as incense. The lifting up of my hands is the evening sacrifice. That's something pretty common to us reasonably safe for our, for our expression. Uh, the lifting up of our hands is another word. That, that lifting up of hands is a, some Hebrew word that means worship, but it also means lifting up of hands. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Clapping and shouting. Um, so clapping isn't just for, for keeping rhythm. <coughs> um, clapping is just for making clamor, you know, for some of that noise. Just hallelujah. I know, it's like crazy. Uh, Ezra 9.5 Then at the evening sacrifice I rode from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to God. In fact, a better verse than that uh, is uh, we know that at the end of the age every knee will bow to the Lord. Every knee will bow. So bowing the knee, oh, there's so many times when I've, I sort of wanted to get on my knees and I thought, oh no, I don't want to embarrass the person next to me. Or... Um, or some, you know, there's been a hundred reasons why I shouldn't bother doing it. <coughs> and then thankfully that song's finished and I can forget about it and I don't need to be embarrassed anymore. But um, I really pray the Lord will set us free. Uh, Genesis, twice Abraham fell on his face before the Lord. That's a, another word that means fell on your face. Uh, Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing and uh, make music with timbrel and harp. And just... Uh, no, I won't bother reading that because I think I've made my point. So there you see that, that worship is 
all about our heart, and it's all about doing this, but uh, if we're bringing flowers with a dance or, or any of these other things, it has to be uh, the cherry on top of a relationship that already exists. And so just to finish, just to make one point, there were two occasions when somebody worshipped God with their whole body. One was David. He just gave absolutely everything um, and, and just spent himself on his way up the, the hill um, in front of the ark. And there was another guy. In fact, we're going to close on the same verse that Mike opened with. <coughs> Philippians 2. That's right, eh? <laughs> well, you can't remember. <laughs> just work here. Philippians 2. Oh, those little epistles are so hard to find there. Eh? I should have put it. This is the other person who gave himself entirely uh, to God. And he gave himself entirely to God on behalf of us as, a, as an offering. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. But he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him. So that's our perfect picture, as Jesus always is of anything good. Perfect picture of giving of himself in worship to God, uh, and in his case, on behalf of us. So Heavenly Father, I thank you. Oh, excuse me. Thank you, Father for um, giving us these facilities and, and resources. And Lord, we, we are, I guess in a way we're in a rut, but Lord, I know that you know our hearts and that we offer these things uh, because we love you and we want to bless you. And, 